Welcome to the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. I'd like to welcome Andrew Jaffe, founder of The Rail, to the Sports Marketing Huddle. So Andrew, the way we actually connected was through your product, The Sports TV Guide, which simply put, helps sports bars know what sporting events are on TV every single day. While this may seem like a no-brainer, I can't count how many times I've been in a sports bar and they don't have the correct games on, which drives me absolutely nuts because it's such a simple thing. So, Andrew, how can sports bars be more sports-focused and better market themselves? Right. Nice to speak to you, Rob. Um, And I got to tell you that the truth of the matter is it's actually really easy but most operators are so focused on the minutia of their business that they forget what they are. So uh, a great example, one of our largest clients is Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't think there's anybody who's listening that doesn't know Buffalo Wild Wings. They have a tagline and their tagline under everything they do is wings, beer, sports. They did a survey several years ago of their own guests and they said, what's the most important thing that brings you to our restaurants? By far the number one thing was not wings, and the number one thing was not was not beer. It was sports. Mm. They're coming to watch sports. And it, it seems intuitive, especially if you have sports in your name or if you are clearly sports themed. But it really isn't. Operators forget that that's their number one draw. Everybody serves chicken wings. Everybody serves nachos. Everybody has a bathroom. Everybody probably has a couple of cute servers and, and good-looking bartenders and give you the right energy, blah, blah, blah. But if I walk in and I'm a Boston guy and I'm visiting someplace in South Florida and I want to watch the Red Sox and they take 45 minutes to put my game on, I'm going to be pissed. So not knowing what's on for sports, not being prepared for it, not being thoughtful about how you manage it is how you fail as a sports marketing attempt for restaurants and bars. Uh, I, I'm curious here, Andrew. Um, are the vast majority of sports bars or restaurants similar to Buffalo Wild Wings, whether they're a single, uh, you know, a single location restaurant or they're a big chain like that, are are a lot of them actually getting their traffic and revenue because of sports, at least on the sports bar type side, or um, and and are they are they activating on it properly? Or you did you find? And I assume that's why you have the sports TV guide. Did you find that most are not? Like what what was the biggest what was the biggest issue? And I guess fill us in a little bit on on how you solve that problem for them. It's a great question. It actually leads back to a little bit of my own story, and it's only relevant for how I started the business. Um, I was working in San Francisco at a, uh, a sports-themed restaurant on the peninsula. If anybody knows where where San Mateo is, it's in the heart of the Silicon Valley. People from all over the place. And so they were streaming into my restaurant looking for different games from different markets. Um, and I found myself spending a lot of time looking for what's on for sports, So the truth is that's the exact reason people come to visit your restaurant and bar is to watch the game. So step one is being aware of what's on and being prepared for it and and being thoughtful about how you spread the, the games across your TVs. But then also it's being prepared in advance, knowing what's going on the night before. You know, let's say you get the Masters on and it's it's Thursday and you haven't called in a second bartender. You're going to have a really solid um, you know, two to five because the Masters are on and everybody wants to watch. Golf is kicking off. It's their Super Bowl, right? So we we built this product 
because as, as an operator, I was struggling to figure out what was on. I was spending inordinate amount of time combing the internet, creating my own guide. You know what? That might be a business. The, the light went off on top of my head. And as a result, now going fast forward 13 years, you know, we've got 5,000 subscribers who literally start their day, turn off the alarm, turn on the lights, put on a pot of coffee, what's on for sports? That's how 5,000 operators begin their day. And if they don't get their data because they're so accustomed to us delivering it, they know, they go crazy. I'll get 100 emails in five minutes. So um, I don't know if that answers the question specifically, but it, it, the idea is that single unit operators, big chain operators, they all you know, think they're restaurants first and not great places to watch sports first. If you are a sports bar, if you promote sports, if you have 30 TVs and you're not focusing on that sports experience by having the best audiovisual systems, by being prepared for what's on, by promoting that via your social media, come and watch this game at our place, then you're missing what your guests want to talk about. Right, right. I, I, and and it's, what's interesting is as you're talking, I'm kind of like thinking the wheels are turning in the back of my mind, which is, you know, I know that the restaurant business in, in, you know, specifically just in general, it's, yeah, the real margin is on the alcohol, right? So you get people in, you get the appetizer, all that stuff, right? And you want them to buy drinks. I never really looked at a sports bar that way where it's the game is the appetizer. The, the, better, the, the better the game, the stuff that you want to see, you're going to sit there not just for you know 45 minutes to an hour for your meal. You're going to sit there for two hours, three hours. If there's multiple games, you'll sit there the whole time. What's the balance? Like How do, how do these bars or you know restaurants decide what are they going to show and what are they not? Because if you come to a New York bar and you want to watch a Boston game that's not playing a New York team, that's – it's going to be an interesting scenario, but at the same time, you know, you do want to cater to all of your audience. How do you balance that? How do you, how do they figure out? And do you help them guide on what, what they, what they should be showing? Like how do how do they figure that out? That's a great question. So I'm a little agnostic when it comes to the programming. My approach to it is I give you everything. It's up to you to figure it out. But when I'm counseling operators about how they should approach this, I say to them, you get an opportunity Every day, if you know exactly what's on and you're prepared, you get an opportunity for that one guy who walks in who's got some quirky game he wants to watch. And if you give him that product and you give him the game, you now have created a loyal customer. So there's a joint in New York. I've got a ton of customers in the city. I don't know if you've ever been to the Riviera. It's the Boston Bar in Manhattan. Yep. And if you want to watch Red Sox baseball or the Patriots or whatever you're into – you got to go there. It's it's that joint. So he understood he wants to give a specific market what they want. Mm. So be, even operators should be somewhat agnostic. Of course, if you're in downtown Manhattan, the Yankees are going to dominate over everything else. The Mets are going to dominate over everything else. But being uh, being really flexible and smart and delivering to your you, your guests the games they want, you create loyalty. They trust you. That's the joint I go to when I want to watch a game that I want to see. You're, you're, you're actually building a much better relationship. So, Andrew, one issue that I have with the majority of sports bars and their marketing is the lack of speaking the language of the sports fan. Uh, it seems so much of the social media is overly self-promotional and less about, hey, here's the games that are going on. Let's build the conversation. Let's get the community. I'm based in Chicago, one of, if not the best sports cities uh, in the nation. And, and it really pains me as a consumer of these things 
What can sports bar operators do to better speak the language of the sports fan? Because if they don't necessarily have the knowledge, because if they're restaurant first, but the only loser, well, actually the losers in that situation are them as well as me, the consumer, because if you're not speaking the sports fan language, you're missing a gigantic opportunity to really build that relationship and community. Listen, you, you couldn't have said it better th than what you just did. We, again, when we're talking to operators about, you know, you leveraging sports, you know, you can only post so many pictures of your food or a couple of servers with a beer, you know, a tray of beer in their hands or whatever the special is. You can only do that so much before people tune it out. But they are absolutely focused on what's on. So me, as an operator, tonight you've got the NIT matchup. It's actually a pretty good NIT final. You got some good teams in that in that um, in that final. So as an operator, I'm going to post on social media. You know, come on down. We got you know these two teams playing at, at eight o'clock. You know, we're going to be highlighting it. Or for the national championship semifinals on Saturday. You know, we've got th that cool Oregon team. And look at that South Carolina upstart. And you you talk about the the conversation they want to have about sports. And maybe it's just posting. Um, you know about Dwayne Wade and how, how we called out everybody on, on, on the Bulls, you know, a few weeks ago. And you say, boy, we, we're going to call out our own servers. You got to get tougher, you guys. And you, and you make fun of it. And you have fun with it. But you make it part of that, that, that uh, cultural literacy, that vernacular of sports that people will connect to. And you frame your conversation. Don't, here's what, so Hooters is a very big client of ours as well. Four or five hundred restaurants that did business with us. It took me five years to sell Hooters because the name of my business is Sports TV Guide. During those five years, they didn't want to be called a sports bar. They were at, they were absolutely one hundred percent against it. I couldn't use the word sports bar in reference to them. Now they get it. Now they're promoting sports. They build their stuff around sports because they recognize that's what their guests want. So you're absolutely right. Speak to the guest in the conversation they want to have. So, Andrew, Brian and I often talk about being forward thinking when it comes to content creation and social media marketing. And we know that there's certainly a deficiency oftentimes with sports bar marketing. But how can they be on the forefront and specifically video or other ways of communicating there? So what sort of standard could be set by the best of the best to really utilize the way that consumers are interacting on Facebook? Because for me, I see a gigantic missed opportunity to not include video with your Dwayne Wade example. So instead of just posting that as an image, you could say, all right, guys, what's up? Here's a quick one minute rant on why is Dwayne Wade calling out the bulls and we're going to do this same for our servers why aren't sports bars doing that or the ones who are what are they doing a great job of you know it's it's a great point and we've counseled a lot of our operators about facebook live when it became online a few months ago what, you know if i were operating a restaurant today i would absolutely facebook live my pre-shift meeting every single day because people love the kind of inside baseball behind the veil experience, especially with restaurants, everybody thinks they can own and operate a restaurant, right? So if, if I was going to have fun with it, I might have my staff together and, and be doing my pre-shift meeting. Here are the specials. You get to show the specials with the with the phone. You know, here we go. Or this is what today's lunch looks like or whatever we're doing. But then I would I might, you know, play on the one minute rant. And all of you, you're not cleaning the bathrooms enough and you're not tough enough and you have fun with it. Who am I? I'm Dwayne Wade. And you can you can kind of wend in the conversation in that context. I couldn't agree more that, uh, so one of the things that you and I have talked about, Rob, that I am hugely supportive of is fan reaction videos. 
putting up, you're in the restaurant, when people lose their minds over that, I mean, if you watch that North Carolina-Kentucky game, right, that was one hell of a basketball game. I would have been videotaping everything from that so that I could have shown this is what our restaurant looked like when that last two-point basket dropped to win the game. That's the stuff that creates the image for you of what your restaurant's like and why it's a great place to be watching the game. Andrew, I've got I've got a last question here, and it, and it's a little bit more on the entrepreneurial and business side because we have a lot of folks that are, are are entrepreneurs. We also have a lot of college students who are in sports business or sports marketing majors. Um, and I always love to get the perspective of fellow entrepreneurs. What was the decision for you to go from being an operator to having this bright idea and then turning that into an entirely different business? Because it's very niche, but obviously you've been able to grow it quite successfully over the last five or so years. What was that decision like for you and what did you learn from it? It's, just, it's a great question. So the, the, here's, here's what happened. I was in my late 30s, early 40s, and the restaurant business is a young man's game. I was getting my ass handed to me every day. It's physical, long hours. And I thought, you know, I'm smarter than this. Rob, you'll appreciate this. I went to the University of Chicago. So, you know, I'm, I'm an educated guy. And w- waking up in the morning and, and smelling like French fries from the night before definitely wasn't like where I expected to be. And I always sort of had a tech affinity. I, I really sort of just liked it. And so I, I said, you know what? I can do something different. And I literally had an old beat up Dell computer and this Radio Shack headset with these big numbers on it for the dial pad. And I started making cold calls. And I said, I can do this. This thing I've been doing for myself, I can do. I'm going to start this. And, I'm, and I made 10,000 cold calls. Hello, my name is Andrew. That's what entrepreneurship is. Everybody thinks entrepreneurship is, I got a grand idea. No, entrepreneurship is having an idea and then working your ass off to make it succeed. And I made 10,000 cold calls to people that don't know me and most of them don't like me, I can tell you that much. But at the end of the day, I built a business based on that willingness to do a shitty job. Ooh, is that okay on a podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. go for it. <laughs> yeah. So doing that just horrible gig to be able to, um, to be able to you know, really functionally build the business. So if, you, if you're a young entrepreneur, Great ideas are one thing, but you've got to be willing to really work. And I'm not talking about spend a lot of hours. I mean work. So you know I mean? every minute's got to matter. I work 50, 60 hours a week, and it's not fluff. I'm not, you know, I'm not taking care of myself in the middle of the afternoon. I got work to do. So that's my advice. Well, Andrew, we really appreciate the insight that you dropped with us uh, on the Sports Marketing Huddle. Thanks a lot. All right, guys. It was great chatting with both of you. And uh, Rob, I look forward to continuing to work with you. 